You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Stepp, Jeremy Paxton, and Hunter Atkins. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Brew Podcast. My name is Austin Statton, joined alongside Jeremy Paxton. Jake Kaplan is going to be joining us in uh, a few minutes to talk a little Astros baseball. We're actually going to record that interview over at uh, Baleson Brewery, which you can find on Bissonette uh, near Rice University. But uh, Jeremy, uh, we took last week off. Uh, I see that you've come with, I don't know, a little bit of bling. Uh, on your on your hand, uh, it, it does not look like a uh, a wedding ring. We know you're engaged. Uh, do you want to tell our listeners what that behemoth on your hand is? Really, what it says is I'm engaged to uh, my Astros fandom for the rest of the season. For the rest of the season, not your the rest of your life. Probably not. No, oh, come if on, they start man. sucking, I'm probably just going to turn. Come it on, off. man. Yeah, I, I just I'm not emotionally equipped to deal with with, with losing. You're teams. fired. <laughs> You said like Arnold, um, yeah. So the, the, the Astros, the Astros gave out these free World Series rings at the June twentieth game against the Rays. Yeah, and I think they're also doing it again in July. They I are. Heard. They're doing it in July, and and my mother wanted one, so she bought tickets. So I have the chance at two World Series rings, courtesy of Coca Cola. So how, how does it feel? Is it? I mean, it's not you know obviously the ten thousand dollar ring. It was yeah, one where they 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 manufactured over a hundred thousand. Which you can buy those, by the way. Right, like you can buy the ten thousand dollar. I will pass. Yeah, right. Well, the I think the the cheap ones, the cheap quote unquote cheap, started like three fifty or something like that from Justin's. Okay, and they look okay. It's like you know cubic zirconia stones or whatever. Something you would get maybe for winning a high school. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, the free ones you get are sort of hit and miss. Some of them, uh, the H is crooked. Really? On the star, yeah. Some of them are pretty bad. Like, I saw a couple of them where, like, the H was, like, bent, like, coming off of the ring. So, um, it's cool for a free ring, you know. Uh, I managed to get a pretty good one, so whatever, I'm happy. But, uh, yeah, and they're it's, it's free, right? You, you can't beat that. Well, but, it, it looks good. I, will, I right. will come enjoy it. I that. just think it's crazy. I don't know if you were paying attention to this, but these rings were going for, they did this the first time, right? And they gave away yeah. something like 20,000 rings and they're 10,000, 10,000 yeah. rings, something like that. They ended up on eBay for like 300 bucks a piece. I'm sure That's they're not insane. that high. Yeah. But, but people were going nuts over these things that the Astros, I think, uh, were we'll capitalized on it. Oh yeah, totally. Because well, it, the, it's a great way to get fans to a game on a middle of the week, right? Against a team that's not it as so high, high profile. Totally sold out. Yeah, yeah totally sold out. How and many it, other times in the middle of June do you sell out a game against the Tampa Bay Rays? Um, not often. Not often. And by the way, it's a team we just dropped three to, so yeah, they're not yeah. terrible. But at the same time, we'll, gi- um, we'll, we'll give give them credit. And their I think it was their ten game homestand. They played the Nationals, they played the Yankees, and they played the Astros. I think they went eight and two or nine and one during that stretch. So give the Rays a lot of credit. I'll I'll give our our batting. I'll I'll fault our batting for eh, what's fair. been happening. I guess it, it's just not pitching was there. great. Charlie yeah. Morton looked great. Yeah, on Sunday. pitching is great. Verlander had a rough had a rough game the other right. day, but uh, overall our bats offense is just not as good as it needs to be yeah we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more uh with jake 
Kaplan here in a few minutes. And again, Jake works at The Athletic. Uh, you can definitely follow his work at Jake M. Kaplan on Twitter. Also, so we recommend that you subscribe to The Athletic. A lot of great content. Uh, we've had several, I guess, journalists from The Athletic on uh, on the podcast over the last year, year and a half. Uh, but if you want to follow our work, of course, weekly broadcast across all channels. That's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Twitter, uh, probably forgetting you know five other social media handles that we're probably on but uh, check us out there also weekly brewcast.com uh, but uh, Jeremy outside of uh, getting bling at Astros games uh, what is new with you as we hit the first of July halfway through the year oh geez uh, looking at wedding venues and reception venues and let me tell yeah let me tell you how fun that is Man, uh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone in the city of Houston is voluntarily going outside, but I spent about a good hour. It's hot as hell in the heat today, walking around a church uh, in kind of the museum district, and then walking around a uh, like some kind of garden uh, next to one of the next to where we're going to have the reception. Oh, is that so, where the bean is? Is that where what? Is that where that beam is? That that circle column or circle cloud yes. or cloud column? Whatever. Yeah, you call something it? like that. It looks like um, a, a gigantic. It's like a chrome plated sculpture that doesn't look like anything. It looks like a, kind of a teardrop. Okay. All yeah. right. So this is by the Contemporary Art Museum in between the MFA base. So it's hot, and, basically. Yeah. That's it was blazing. It's been hot. It's terrible. Yeah. If, if there, there's nothing worse than being sticky, I don't know. I don't know. If, what your opinion is on this, but there's nothing worth it being sticky. You know what I'm talking about? Like you, you've been outside. It's over. What? <laughs> we didn't need to go there. No. I, didn't, I didn't say it on air. I don't know our our listeners are from Houston. They know exactly what I'm talking about. You get sticky every day walking around the city. It just, just drizzles itself all over you. And you just like have to take a shower. It's gross. Right. Anyways. But that's what's up. That's what I've been doing. Looking at wedding venues, all that good stuff. So, well, I don't want to. I don't want to humble brag, but uh, guess what I did Thursday? Uh, what did you do? I booked a last-minute flight to Japan. So when you're probably listening to this right now, I am going to Japan. Well, that's that's really cool for you, Austin. Thank you for giving me a heads up on that. It was last minute. I'm going to my dad. Oh, uh, that's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Father-son trip to Japan. You can't beat that. Um, are you going to go to any? Japanese baseball we games. We are talking about that. Actually. You should. I did not know how crazy. Yeah. So the it, Japanese it's, it's, were it's about the, baseball. It's the middle of their season. Uh, we are considering going to a uh, Yomiuri Giants game at the Tokyo Dome uh, this week. So I will definitely keep you guys posted on that. Uh, I think that could be a lot of fun. Uh, we're also doing this uh, Mario Kart experience where you take go-karts through the streets in Tokyo and you wear like Super Mario costumes. What, something my dad wanted to do. What keeps you from doing that here? It's illegal here. It's illegal to wear Super Mario costumes. No, you can't. You can't drive go karts in downtown Houston. Oh, downtown Houston. Okay. Yeah, we're talking like downtown Tokyo driving go karts, wearing Super Mario costumes. That's pretty amazing, dude. Yeah, it's only like sixty bucks too. Do you do you get to throw shells at people? I wish I should bring do you, bananas. Do you and get just to like eat, throw them out of the. Do you get you know? to eat magic mushrooms and make yourself huge? <sighs> yes, I do actually. <laughs> That's that's really. Will you please, will you please shoot this for me so I could, so I could watch Austin Staten dropping shrooms while he's in a go kart <laughs> in the middle of Tokyo. Weekly Brew, doing things different. We go big, uh, but uh, you know it, it, it's been kind of a uh, interesting week, if you will. Uh, so we are recording on Sunday night, and uh, the big news Sunday night: LeBron James inks a four-year. 
160 plus million dollar contract with the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, spurning the city of Cleveland for the second time, uh, heading out west. He's got two homes in LA. He, you know, wants to be involved with Hollywood. He's got a lot of side projects, but his four-year contract, as with the Lakers, this is terrible. This is just why, why is what, it terrible? Well, what is, what is he going to bring to the Lakers? I mean, obviously he he's LeBron, well, he's the, he's right? The biggest theme in all of basketball. right, but but the Lakers aren't they kind of like a. I yeah, mean, the roster surrounding him right now—it's a dumpster fire. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but, you so they—they they are. They've got some decent young talent. Uh, they are making a push for Kawhi Leonard at the Spurs. So if that happens, I think it you know automatically elevates them. Uh, but right now, I've seen some early gambling odds, and they are listed as seven to two favorites uh, for the NBA championship. Do you think it's, it's a little bit of an over. Yeah, that's, that's the second highest season. odds yeah. in the NBA right now. Of course, the Warriors are the prohibitive favorites to win again next year. Uh, and then Boston makes sense. But why would you put the Lakers ahead of the Rockets? I mean, Chris Paul, uh, we also should mention, just signed a four-year uh, extension contract supermax deal with the rockets on saturday night right around midnight uh so he'll be back i mean uh, you know you've got the mvp harden coming back they've got to be i don't see how the lakers are going to be see it, it's a little bit different for me because the path and I, i've mentioned this before the path to the nba finals was so much easier in the eastern conference for lebron there's a reason why he's gone to eight straight finals but now in order to just get to the finals he has to beat houston he has to beat golden state oh it's not, it's not about basketball to him yeah, strictly no money. this is this is money this is do you blame him no no i don't i don't know are you kidding me i'd solve for that no I, I think this is about uh the next phase of his career which Absolutely. is not basketball related right i mean he's gonna i think he, i think he's gonna be he's he's the next magic johnson i was about to say he's the next Shaq, Ma- magic johnson and, and magic know. is also the uh what is it the general manager vp of basketball operations something like that for the lakers yeah. but also the owner of the Dodgers. I mean, he he's in so many different business ventures. I think, and I think that's where LeBron's going. I think LeBron should sign for the next Shazam sequel. Why Shazam? Why not Space Jam? Or Space Jam. Oh, my gosh. How did I overlook that? that that's the natural fit. Oh, absolutely. Do you know the Space Jam website from 1996 is still operating? You can type in. Really? You, oh, I'm not even kidding. The production studio who made the film has kept it up all these years. You can go to it and see what the internet looked like in the mid-90s. It was terrible. But it's funny. Uh, you know, you, you can tap around, and I don't think your browser might not even support it, but it's amazing. I'm using Safari, so probably not. In, in any case, yeah. <laughs> Google Chrome, which was not around back then. Was Google around in the 90s, early 90s? I it maybe late nineties. I know that like YouTube was like two thousand five. Like yeah, we YouTube were in college. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of we're dating ourselves right now. To we all the old. all the yeah, yeah. It's funny. All the stuff that we thought was so cool and hip back then, like Facebook. Like no one, no one young uses Facebook anymore. But young people definitely utilize YouTube. YouTube is a growing platform. YouTube and Instagram. Instagram is by far the king of social media. It has conquered all others. Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter. I don't, I don't use Snapchat anymore. I I haven't haven't used it since the uh, the update that came through. They fixed it. They fixed it. I still haven't used it. Yeah. Well, they fixed it in like Mission Amiculpa about the whole like chat thing. It was terrible. Rightfully so. In any case, though, some other big stories that uh, have uh, been coming down the pipe this week happened in Washington D.C. That's right. Uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy Kennedy resigns, retires, whatever you want to call it. One of the longest, I think, the longest serving member of the Supreme Court had over thirty years on the bench. 
Um, he was he, a Reagan appointee, right? He was a Reagan appointee. It's actually kind of a funny story how he got there. But long story short, he, he has resigned, and Trump now has a second Supreme Court pick. And, of course, Anthony Kennedy, for anyone who knows, was the, he was the swing assumed vote. swing vote, even though these last, uh, even though in 2018 he did not side with the liberal majority in, in any case. He sided 5-4 with the conservative majority on just about every case that came down. Um, I think the only one that conservatives have been, uh, you know, everyone, everyone really, myself included, have been uh, reeling from was the sales tax change. Right. Yeah, which is terrible. If you're an online shopper, it's, it's bad news. But anyways, um, so Trump ha- now has another Supreme Court pick, which gives him an opportunity to make a lasting generations long impression on the court and really solidify his legacy as, um, for, for better or for worse, depending on your point of view, um, a, a transformational president, really, I mean. Yeah, it's crazy to think that, um, you know, this is happening. Um, you know, when when Justice Scalia died, I remember myself, you, uh, and Zach, and the other guy were on the, um, on the podcast, and we, we were discussing it, and, we were wondering like how long it would take, you know, for a replacement to be nominated and, you know, president Obama quickly nominated uh, a candidate. Right. Merrick Merrick Garland. Garland, Right. uh, Who I've, you know, was pretty moderate for the most part. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't far left. Uh, I think he was, he he, he certainly left leaning, Um, but Mitch McConnell stepped in and basically said, all right, no, we're not, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to hold off until we get the election through. And and I was concerned at the time because, okay, so first off, I generally vote Republican. Most of you know I did not vote for Donald Trump. I did not vote for Hillary Clinton. But from my perspective, I thought that Garland was moderate enough that the Republicans should just go ahead and confirm him because I truly believe that there was no way that Donald Trump would win the presidency, that the Republicans would win the presidency. Right. I thought it was a sure thing that uh, the Democrats and Hillary Clinton were going to win. And I thought right. that well, if, I if, mean, you, if, you table, if you table yeah. it, then Hillary is going to put in a more extreme nominee. Sure, sure. And, and that and that was the thinking at the time among some, some conservative and, commentators. And McConnell risked it. He risked it, uh, and as a result, Trump is now appointing two justices. Right. And we got Neil Gorsuch out of that deal, and I think before, I mean, it's definitely going to happen. John Cornyn, you know, Texas senator, was on record the other day saying this is definitely going to happen before the election, probably sometime. Well, there's I, there's I, nothing the Democrats can do. Right. There really is nothing that they can do, and if they were majority in the Senate right now, they, they would have pulled the exact same move uh, by delaying any sort of Trump pick yeah, until that's the thing yeah, the republicans I mean, have the super majority right now right right well it they not the super majority is, sorry they right. control they, they have control a majority it used to be that used to be that supreme court picks were confirmed by two-thirds right and the democrats changed the rules yep. to benefit them and it's come back and bite them in the butt and that's what happens when you change the rules when you uh don't have enough votes to get to a super majority or right. you know two-thirds but um it is really interesting some of the names on the short list um i'm not going to go through all of them but basically i'm, I'm hearing that trump has narrowed it down to about five, like between five and nine or something like that. And of course, on that list that was made public here, a couple, you know, back when Neil Gorsuch was going through. There were 25 the names, names. There were 25 names on there. That's right. And uh, one of them. Uh, Don Willett. Don Willett, who you might recall 
former guest of the Weekly View podcast, and we had him uh, literally a week before he was nominated to be part of the uh, Fifth Circuit. Right, the Fifth Circuit, yeah. Uh, so at that time, he was... Uh, we I think we even asked him a question. You know, what, what, what it meant to him to be... Uh, in the conversation. And I think he was very humble about it. Uh, he definitely expressed his desire to uh, sit on the federal bench at some point. And ultimately, he was nominated by President Trump uh, just a few weeks after uh, sitting down with you and I to uh, discuss, uh, you know, his career, his Twitter account. Uh, and he is on the short list. At least he's being considered. Uh, which is pretty cool to know that oh, in my it's... cell phone, I've got a potential Supreme Court justice in my cell phone. That's so cool. It's pretty cool. He's probably going to change his number now to well, make sure that you don't I, I, have I actually it. checked the other day uh, just to see. Did you text him? No, I didn't text him, but it still shows up as like iMessage. So. <laughs> it's a little creepy that you're stalking a Fifth Circuit judge. Uh, in any case, um, I, 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 it's this. You cannot, you cannot overstate the importance. Even though it's sad that it's like this, the Supreme Court should not have this power. Most pe- you, you should not we, the way that our constitutional system was set up, you should not have to freak out about who's on the Supreme Court. But over the years, the Supreme Court has gained more power um, and has really shifted to making law rather than interpreting the law. But neither that, you, you know, that that uh, we're not really in the position to discuss that at length. But this is really important. Um, and so it's going to be fascinating to see who Trump picks. I do think it's interesting. He's looking at um, Indian American uh Judge to fill that seat. He's also looking at a senator with no prior judicial experience, although that's not that's not um, there is precedent for that. There's, there's speculation. And he's also looking at two women. Yeah, to fill the, there was there was speculation that um, I think you know before Gorsuch was nominated that Ted Cruz could be nominated. Yeah, it, I don't I don't think that's. That that's not Ted style. I think he's looking. No, he for wants. Other he things. wants. He wants the White House. He does. He does. He. I, I don't think. He'll I don't get want it. to say he wants the White. He, no, he does. He's made it very clear. Well, right. Well, right now he just wants to stay senator. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, he just I, wants to beat yeah, Beto. Yeah. Um. I. I will say that it, it's. It is kind of interesting. Uh. With 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 Ted Cruz, how he's tried to change his image in the last year and a half. Um. You know his stepping up his Twitter game, trying to be more hip and edgy. Uh, really, and, really trying to. He, I think he's trying too hard. Really trying to step out of the Zodiac Killer role. What do you think? Right. I mean, yeah. I think I think he's trying way too hard. And then this like one-on-one basketball tournament that he had a few weeks ago with uh, Jimmy Kimmel here in Houston. Uh, I don't know why Jimmy Kimmel did that. I mean, I totally get that it's great that you know the the money went to fundraiser, but why would you give him that platform? I mean, I think that plays right into what Ted Cruz wanted. He wanted to be seen as cool and hip playing with like celebrities. I I think this is, it's strictly an image play in my opinion from Ted Cruz and Jimmy, not Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel fell right into the trap. Was it a, I don't know if it was a trap. I mean, if, if Jimmy Kimmel was okay with that, I mean, he's a, he's self admittedly a pretty like flaming liberal. Right. 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 But but the thing is, the thing is, is, I, th- I think when you look at Ted Cruz, he clearly seems like he's a politician, right? He, he. I mean, that's all he's you ever wanted. You don't like Ted Cruz. I don't. But, but that's <laughs> it's okay. But that's all he's ever seemed to want is is the White House uh, politics, and that's totally fine. Uh, but he seems like way too much of a politician, and, and since he lost uh, the Republican nomination, I feel that the people surrounding him are at least smart and they're trying to humanize him a little bit more. Yeah, well he and, and, he's and especially right. he's, especially he, especially going against O'Rourke, you know, who is young, hip, uh, you know, 
the, the trendy pick in Texas. And of course, as it stands right now, Cruz holds, I believe, a 10-point lead on O'Rourke in the Texas Senate race. But I feel like Cruz is doing that not only in the race against O'Rourke, but to position himself in 2020 if Trump decides to resign or something like that, or 2024. I I think he's really making that PR push. Yeah, Beto O'Rourke kind of his his candidacy, and maybe maybe this, some of this isn't his fault, but he reminds me of he's like a mixture between Kinky Friedman and Jonathan Edwards. Mm, I don't know. I, I think that one of the things that I really like that he's doing um, is he has literally visited, I believe, every single county in the state of Texas, and that's cool. I think that's awesome. That's I really mean, cool. whether whether or not you you support him or not, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, uh, the fact that you actually have a candidate going out there and meeting with the constituents in every single county, even counties that aren't necessarily going to go red, aren't necessarily going to go blue. Uh, I think that's very admirable. And that, and, and that's very similar to a, uh, a guest that we had on a, uh, a few weeks back and Dan Crenshaw, you know, he was doing the same thing in his district. He was going out to the different precincts meeting with his constituents. And I think that goes a long way in, in, in developing those, grassroots campaigns. I mean, that that's the reason why Bernie Sanders went from a French candidate to pushing Hillary Clinton. And, you know, if it wasn't for superdelegates, quite possibly could have gotten the nominee. That FaceTime matters to some people, but I, I think where he stands on the issues is really where it, what is irking a lot of people. And, and I don't, I don't think he's got a real sub, unless, unless Cruz, you know, has a PR disaster of some kind. I don't think Beto has a chance of beating him because I think his stance on immigration and some other key issues, you know, talking about tax reform, um, and his stance on Trump's tax cuts, I, I don't think that he's really going to be that popular, especially now with, um, you know, the economy improving, especially in Texas. And that's in part, in, in, in no small part due to the oil, oil prices ticking up. And now, you know, Midland and Odessa and that area really blowing up now, as I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with. Right. So I think that uh, it's an uphill battle. Uh, the whole turn Texas blue thing, that blue wave, I don't, I don't see it materializing. And if you look at the, at the generic ballot, or, you know, the generic ballot, you know, when you ask voters, likely voters, Republicans versus Democrats in general, who do you like more? Democrats are only ahead by about three to five points. So that they did have a double digit advantage here a couple months ago, but they've really, I think, suffered when you get, you know, goofballs like Maxine Waters getting up and encouraging people to harass Republicans. Did you see that? And, you know, administration uh, officials right. in public. Did, did you see that latest ad that the RNC put out? Yeah, I did. I, I thought it was effective. You know, I, I so so if you I, haven't seen the ad, uh, the ad uh, it, it's produced by the Republican Party. Uh, they posted it on social media. I think they're digital media uh, this past week. Uh, it basically takes all these negative comments from uh, whether it's Democratic uh, politicians or if it's uh, celebrities that you know are are liberal. Uh, it's very hostile commentary. Uh, it shows some graphic images as well. Right. Like of, it, it's a bunch of stuff that I don't think Republicans would get away with if they were saying it about Democrats. Let's let's put it that way. I don't uh, I don't know that the Democrats are getting away with it, but the, but their words have been weaponized by the Republicans. Well, well, sure, but you have to remember we're not a year out from that crazy guy who shot Steve Scalise at the GOP baseball game. Yeah, it was just a year ago. Yeah. Right, it was just a year ago. So I, and, I think it is important. So here's 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 a. Um, little in fact i don't know if i'm supposed to comment on this but uh so we've had uh steve scalise at uh bp a few times we had him offshore at our thunder horse platform last year actually before the shooting uh, and then he was on 
our campus uh, earlier this year. And as a leader in either the Senate or the House, you get Capitol Police protection. And because he, you know, he's on the Republican leadership, he had Capitol Police with him at the, uh, you know, the baseball practice. Mm-hmm. If he was not on leadership and, and if there wasn't a leadership person there, there would have been no Capitol Police there and it would have been a massacre. The guy that uh, ended up, you know, stopping the whole thing, mm-hmm. he got shot. Capitol Police, uh, been, you know, he was a hero. I mean, he, he did his job. He eliminated the target saved lives uh and it it was kind of interesting just just to you know hear that story you know that if it wasn't for his leadership position he wouldn't have had protection right and i i think that's so crazy but but going back to the sort of the civility issue which is a big the big hot button right now the civility issue um you got to act like there's more than, than just this election, right? I mean, even if the Republicans stay in power, which, you know, the Democrats are going to pick up seats without a doubt. But even if the Republicans were staying in power, there's, an, there's another election down the road. So, right. you know, the, acting like this is the end-all, be-all of, of life, I, I think what, what's upsetting a lot of Democrats right now is the fact that Obama really wasn't able to, to notch up a whole lot of legislative achievements. And a lot of his, his policy objectives were accomplished through executive orders. Right. And Trump has really just undone a lot of that. And so it's really upsetting to them. So they're kind of all really worked up about this, which is understandable. But you got to tamp down the rhetoric just a little bit. The, and the I'll pro- leave it The problem at that. right now with the, uh, the Democratic Party is they, I think they're having an identity crisis. Which is something that the Republican Party went through in... Uh, still going through, but yeah, you're right. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was, I think it was even more significant for the Republicans, uh, you know, back during the Tea Party movement, uh, around 2010, 2012, somewhere around that time period. I think they were going through an identity crisis. Uh, I think that the, the Democrats are going through the same thing right now. Uh, it, it's cyclical. That's how politics works. Uh, but the only thing I can say is, if you're not registered to vote, get out there and vote. Uh, if you want to have any sort of uh, voice, uh, get involved politically. Go out, campaign, uh, you know, research, encourage your friends, family to go out and vote. If, if you dislike policy now, that's the only way that you can actually make a difference. Or just as effective, post really long, semi-offensive screeds on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> you really should just hate tweet, which... That, that I mean, does not that's, work. that's just as effective as voting, right? right? Yeah, no. Oh, it's not? Oh, crap. Yeah. Well, hey, by the way, speaking of Twitter, I have a new Twitter handle. I'm just... <laughs> what is your I, new Twitter handle? It's not Fiesta. Fiesta Bear had to die. It had what, is, to, what is it? It's uh, at Jeremy C. Paxton. Really? Yes. You're it is actually, my actual... So you're actually officially endorsing everything that you're posting? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> officially endorsing it because Fiesta Bear. Oh wait, nobody really knew who that was. But right now, it's right. Jeremy Paxton. Uh, retweets do not equal endorsements. Legally, I retweet things do. I think that are interesting. Legally, they do. What? Legally, they legally, do. they do. Is yeah. that that must be? There was intru- a there was uh, an FBI. I think it was uh, four or five years ago. There was an FBI case. Uh, they were trying to. It was it was a terrorism case, and uh, there was a guy that they were trying to prosecute. And, uh, you know, his lawyer tried to claim that, like, retweeting does not endorse. Uh, and uh, the the corpse, I think it was a federal court, ended up saying, uh, no, no, that totally stands up as evidence. Like, he definitely endorsed, like, these, uh, you know, uh, extreme beliefs. 
uh, extreme philosophies. So according to, I cannot remember what the case is, but retweets actually do equal endorsements. So just keep that in mind. Well, you know what? That's why I'm I'm counting on Trump's Supreme Court nominee to help overturn that ridiculous ruling hey, and precedent. Hey, I'm just saying, you work with kids, you work with families. I do. <laughs> they can find out. That's true. Just That's keep true. that in mind. I do. I have a picture of Bo in my. Uh, Aw. Yeah. Maybe maybe make it protected. <laughs> Protect. I know. Really, tw- Twitter can get you fired these days. No, I know. It absolutely can. It's crazy. Actually, uh, so uh, there was actually uh, a shooting this past week, and I believe Baltimore. Um, uh, really tragic at a at a newsroom. Uh, I believe five people were killed, uh, but there was a journalist in uh, Massachusetts who tweeted out that the shooter was wearing a "Make America Great Again" hat. Of course, that was not true. Uh, the journalist had been uh, employed by this paper for twenty plus years, ended up having to resign. Uh, and you know, he posted straight up like, uh, you know, I extremely regret what I, you know, what I did. Uh, I cannot take it back. I accept the consequences. Like he was very, you know, he didn't try to make excuses. He basically said, "I just killed my career," wow. and he, it was it was very very interesting to read because you know I think other people try to you know if they make. I don't know if, what the context of this tweet was. I don't know if he was actually being serious or if it was a joke or something like that. Uh, but he recognized right away that his career was over, uh, which I think is crazy. Um, that Because I think most journalists don't, you know, if they do something like that, they're like, oh, it was just an honest mistake, you know. But this guy knew. He's like, no, I, I deserve the consequences that are coming at me right now. Well, you know what? Here, here's the funny thing. If you're a journalist and you post hateful things about Trump, or whatever, and get fired by your paper, HuffPo will pick you up, or BuzzFeed, or Alternet. But, but, but this is like a legitimate journalist, though. Or Salon. No, I, this. but this guy was like a legitimate journalist. I don't, I don't consider... A legitimate... I don't consider... Hey, careful HuffPo, with that, care they, they might take offense. I don't, I don't consider like HuffPo, Salon... We'll see, there, this bar, is where, the, this is where the, line, those, the line between activism and journalism is blurred for a lot of people fair. in those, those, are, those but publications. But if you want good information on sports, which we're going to pivot back to you. You should not follow me on Twitter. Don't follow Jeremy on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, don't follow me. You can follow uh, Weekly Brewcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, also weeklybrewcast.com. Uh, if you want to follow our other co-host, Hunter Atkins, at HunterAtkins35 on Twitter. He does great work for the Houston Chronicle. And in just a few seconds, Jake Kaplan from The Athletic is going to join us. You can follow him at Jake Kaplan. We're going to talk a little Astros baseball. We're going to talk a little LeBron in LA. We'll also talk a little World Cup action and why Jake does not like the World Cup and why he does not like soccer. But without further ado, it's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. You're listening to the Weekly Brew. Joining us now on the Weekly Brew for the first time since uh, March, April, something like that. I think I think it was right after baseball season had started. I said like the first week of April. Yeah, yeah. So we've got Jake Kaplan, the Athletic. Jake, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me again. No problem. So uh, just for those listening right now, if you hear a little external noise, whether it's a little bit of music, a little cars driving by, we are at Baleson Brewery on uh, Bissonnet near uh, Rice University right now. And uh, great place to get some beers. They have food trucks on weekends. Highly recommend you check it out. So if you hear any background noise, that's what that's from. Uh, I'm drinking a beer. Uh, Jake, you're drinking water. What, what's going on with that? Uh just trying to hydrate just trying to hydrate uh it's a little early for me in the day to get started on on beer are you judging me right now i'm not no i I wish i could uh have have your abilities and (laughs) i'm a little old i'm uh just struggling to keep up with you youngsters 
Okay, I think I'm older than you. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, when I said that, I was like, this might not work. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of funny. Uh, f- so we are recording right now on Saturday. Uh, you should be probably listening to this Sunday or Monday. Uh, I was in the Woodlands on Friday night. Uh, I'm actually going on a last-minute trip to Japan on Monday. And I was sort of trip planning with my dad. And my mom was like, so are you going to you know, sleep on the plane? What's your strategy? I was like, well, you know, the flight leaves at 1130. So my plan is to get to the airport lounge, have a few drinks, uh, like four. And uh, when I get on the plane, have a few more drinks. And so after two hours, I sleep and then sleep for the you know duration of the flight. She told me that uh, when she heard that, she was concerned for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, just did you, you mentioned that it's free drinks, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think she should be concerned. I think she should be uh, encouraged that you're, you know, taking advantage of these opportunities. Exactly. You're making your dollar go further. Yes. I, I think so. So, uh, you know, we are in the, uh, the end of June, 1st of July. So the all-star break uh, right around the corner. And, you know, when we did our spring training preview right before the season, I think there was a little talk about hangover. For the Astros, you know that you know. Are they going to be able to continue at the torrid pace? Are they going to have a target on their backs? They do have a target on their backs. Sure, they have tougher competition this year in the American League West. The Mariners looking good, potentially vying for that wild card spot. I think you and I are in agreement that they are not going to ultimately pass the Astros. No, but the Astros. They're playing lights out. I think they're, what, a game and a half, two games off their pace from last season. Yeah. They are. Their run differential is literally one of the greatest of all times at this point in the season. I think the last team to do something like this was the 39 Yankees. Yep. I I mean, I think they're exceeding my expectations for the season. Yeah. I don't know. I I think they're – I mean, they're about where I thought they would be, which is about where they were last year. Strohs um, are who they thought they would be. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, the hangover narrative is just, like, I don't know. People love narratives. It's, and it, it's and isolated to Dallas Keuchel? No, I think it's, like, every team that wins a championship in professional sports, that's, like, the spring training preseason narrative. Like, the Eagles are going to have that. The, the Warriors are going to have that. Like, it's just, like, what I guess people want to write about. I don't know if people want to read about it, but right. uh, people like talking and read and and... and you know, I guess the Cubs kind of gave some merit to it last year. But, right. I mean, the Astros, like, it was different because, well, number one, like, their best players are so young, I think was a big part of it. Their, their best pitchers um, had big breaks in their seasons last year, and it's not like they threw absurd innings. Uh, and then their second best pitcher this year wasn't on the team. Right. So, like, there was enough new blood and, and youth, I think, to protect against it. And they're just... Like, ultimately, I think the best teams usually win, and talent wins out, and they have arguably the best team and definitely one of the best three teams. It's kind of interesting to me because, pitching-wise, the starting rotation is eating up a lot of innings, which is good. Uh, they're limiting runs. I think the the team ERA is sub-three right now. I think it's a little... I think the rotation, the, the rotation ERA, ERA is, like is sub-three. 295-ish. Yeah. yeah, and in the bullpen, you know, with, with the... Giles flusters here and there. For the most part, I think it's performed well, especially the last uh, few weeks. But it, it's kind of interesting because the Astros offensively still rank among the best in baseball. Runs per game, OPS, all that all that stuff. But Astros fans, every time I turn on the radio or read message boards or check out Astros Twitter, which is just awful, by the way. Uh, Shout out to Astros Twitter. <laughs> they complain about the offense and the lack of productivity. Yeah, I think a lot of it stems from... Um, 
the the struggles at home, which are hard to ignore. Right. I think they're real. Uh, the numbers suggest they're real. And I think part of it is Astros fans are spoiled now. I think after last year and going through that amazing run, getting this, the, the team's uh, first championship, I think uh, the expectations are super high. And any time a pitcher they don't know much about, like Wilmer Font or um, Andrew Heaney or like some of these lesser-known guys that aren't Clayton Kershaw, uh, shuts down the Astros' offense, um, they get frustrated, uh, which is understandable. But when you look at the cumulative numbers and the numbers I, I like to go off of, like OPS plus or WRC plus, the Astros have the best offense in baseball again. Um, it has kind of been sporadic. Like, they started off slow. It's a lot on the road. It's a lot against bad teams. But it's also some against good teams. And I think, you know, you play who you play. And, um, you know, their they're soft schedule. I mean, their schedule is soft right now, no doubt. But And I think they're taking advantage of it. But, yeah, part. I mean, you could also not take advantage of it. And they are definitely taking advantage of it. Um, you know, I think uh, there is a part of this season that just feels like marking time until October. Right. Because everyone knows the Astros are going to win the division. They're going to play the Indians, the Red Sox, or the Yankees. And it's all about matching up with those teams. And, and that's kind of interesting because you wrote in the uh, the Athletic, I think it was this week, uh, talking about the bullpen. And I, th- I think that's the, the question mark for the Astros is do they find like a shutdown reliever at the trade deadline to, uh, to come in? So you sort of broke down, you know, why the Astros have flexibility right now. They don't have flexibility. Well, they, they, right. But they, they need a guy like Peacock or McHugh to potentially be that. We have an airplane flying over us right now, but they, they need a guy like Peacock or McHugh to go into the uh, rotation if needed. Uh, but names that we've seen throwing out there are Hand. Uh, we've seen uh, Zach Britton, who is coming back from Achilles injury. Uh, but something that you mentioned in your story was the Astros aren't just going to find a relief pitcher that can help them win games. They're going to help them. They need to find a relief pitcher to help them match, match up. up against yeah. Yankees, Red Sox, Indians. Yeah. It's, and that's how they, they treated last year, too. They thought Francisco Liriano could help them get some of the lefties out on the on the Red Sox. Right. Um, and he didn't, <laughs> really. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're looking at it like, all right, after the starter comes out, which in the playoffs might be a little earlier, who's going to get Aaron Judge out in the fifth or in the seventh and the ninth, in the sixth and the eighth? Uh, so, you know, maybe they like Brad Peacock in the Aaron Judge matchup because of his slider, but he can, he's only going to face him the one time. Who faces him the other time? And the Yankees are really right-handed. Um, the Indians have a lot of switch hitters, and the Red Sox are kind of balanced. Um, so, you know, every you know if you're if you're thinking you're going to play the Yankees, if that's your main focus. You don't necessarily need a left-handed reliever. I mean, Greg Bird's lefty, but he hasn't had a great year. Um, you need guys who can get out. Gleyber Torres, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, you know, Andujar. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, the, I don't, you know, the way, what they exactly need at this point, I'm not, you know, it's tough to, to highlight which players fit the criteria they're looking for. And I'm not sold. They're definitely going to make a move. Do they need to make a move? Because I'm, all right. The way that I look at it, and I was having this conversation uh, with my roommate Alvin uh, the other day. Shout out to Alvin. Shout out to Alvin. AlvinTranPhotography.com. Go check him out. He takes pictures of 
models. I, I don't know. But go check him out. If you need help with your dating profile. I'm going to be calling Alvin. He'll, he'll, he'll help you with that <laughs> photos. But we were talking about, you know, the Astros and whether or not they make a trade. And, you know, Britain's a guy who struggled. Hand, as you mentioned, has struggled this year. Those are the names that every Astros fan that doesn't really follow the game know and they want to see. But the Astros rotation right now, you're not going to carry a five-man rotation into the postseason. Right. And Keuchel has had his struggles. McCullers, we saw what he could do last year in a relief appearance as a closer, something like that. I think his stuff plays up out of the bullpen. Is the Astros' answer on their roster or perhaps in double-A right now with Forrest Whitley? So I think there's a lot of different scenarios and a lot of things to consider. Um, if they're healthy, which you can never assume, one of Dallas Keuchel, Lance McCullers, Charlie Morton is in the bullpen, right? It's not going to be a Cole or Verlander. Um, so that's one spot. And then, then there's the looming Whitley possibility. And you're pretty high on this guy. He's really good. I mean, I've never, I haven't seen him in person very much, but everyone I've talked to, scouts, and I mean, just look at the industry rankings, Baseball America, he's the best pitching prospect in baseball by their standards. He's what, 20 years old? He's 20. The last Um, 20-year-old to be called up by the Astros in the uh, starting rotation, Lance McCullers. Was he 20 or 21? I think he was 20, and then he turned 21 in the season, I think. Um, I could be wrong. Fact check me. Yeah, he might be. Yeah, he might be He's 24 now. Fact check it for us, Twitter. Um, And I think, but, like, there's so much. He's never, he's barely pitched above single A at this point. So, like, you can't bank on that. Like, I think, you know, maybe he gets a September call up, and that's, like, his audition for the postseason roster. Um, How does that work? Does he have to be called up before September to be on the postseason roster? Or does he have to be on the 40-man roster to be... Yeah, I think it's 40-man. Or no, he just has to be in the organization. So, like, honestly, like, the Royals had a player make his major league debut in the World Series in in 2015. Okay. The Mondesi kid. So, you just have to be in the organization before August 31st. Okay. Um, So, yeah, I could see them doing, like, a September call-up, maybe earlier out of the bullpen audition for a bullpen spot. But, like, you can't count on that for, for a 20-year-old. So, like, I do think the Astros, if they find someone who they think is, a, like, a definitive upgrade, um, they should make a move. Because you saw what happened in their matchups against the Indians and the Yankees and the Red Sox. They're, you know, Giles didn't get the job done. Their other guys, Davinsky gave up a game. Like, you know, you, you don't want to repeat a last year. Right. Um, but the question is, like, who is that guy? Zach Britton, it, you know, I think fans fall in love with names. Like, Zach Britton has not been good since he came back. And, you know, um, he's right now he's not a definitive upgrade. Uh, Brad Hand probably would be, but the Pod- there's a reason he hasn't been traded. The Padres' asking price is really high. Um, and that was the case last year. Right. I mean, he was a rental last year, and they didn't trade him, and they weren't winning. So, like, what does that tell you? Um you know, the jury's familiar. Maybe. Is he an upgrade? Maybe. Like, the Rossell Iglesias guy on the Reds is really, really good, but he's under control forever and going to cost a ton. I don't know. Like, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make a move, um, especially if they maintain their health bef- leading from now till the deadline. But they really need to consider it given the performances they their bullpen had against the teams that they need to beat. You know, last year, the bullpen started off the season strong and that's because they weren't getting many innings right because Chris Davinsky was yeah otherworldly right too. but then as the season went on 
injuries started biting the Astros, the bullpen was worked, worked, worked. Like, they, they were taxed middle of the year, end of the year. This year, it's kind of the opposite. You know, the, the starting rotation is going deeper into games. Uh, Astros bullpen has the second fewest innings pitched outside of the Indians, I think it is. And I don't know, does that sort of play a role in it? Because in, in theory, Devo's going to be fresher in October. Peacock's going to be fresher in October. McHugh, who has been phenomenal this season, is going to be fresher in October. Yeah. No, I think it, it it plays a part to an extent with individual guys. Like, I think you can expect a better version of Chris Davinsky this October than last October. Um, you know, and I think that's why he's not a multi-inning guy anymore. I mean, he does every now and then go multi-innings, but not – I mean, this time last year he had 50 innings already. Like, now he's at 32-ish, so – that's a conscious effort to make him better for October. Um, so I think with certain guys, that's the case. Maybe Giles too. I mean, he. I think there was some fatigue at play last year. Um, but ultimately, like everyone's tired in October, no matter how much you manage it during the season. And it, it just it comes down to who performs. And I, and I think, you know, there's a there's a really good argument to be made that they they should go acquire another arm just to give them that other option. Hector Rondon's been really good. Right. Um, but, you know, is he who you want in the ninth inning of, of Game 7 of the World Series over the ALCS? I don't know. I mean, he's – I don't know. But, but at the same time – Probably you, not, right? At the same time, you say that, and the two guys that were critical last year for the Astros, Game 7 of the ALCS, a starting pitcher, Game 7 of the World Series, a starting pitcher. Right. But – can you is that sustainable i mean you can do it again obviously you like you mentioned before there's a four-man rotation there's guys pitching on short rest um i don't know i just think you want to give yourself every opportunity and i think there is room for them to upgrade in the back end and also like say you upgrade at the back end that makes rondon more valuable in his role because it pushes him down right you know that makes everyone else better because they have to they're pushed down one rung it reminds me of the uh glory days for the Astros when they had Brad Lidge, Octavio Dotel, and Billy Wagner. Right. I mean, just that one, two, three punch. I mean, if you got to the seventh inning, game was over. Yeah, I mean, look at the Indians two years ago when yeah. they made the World Series. Andrew Miller, Brian Shaw, Cody Allen, and then they had, like, five other guys. Like, now they don't have, they only have one of those guys, and that's that's why they're struggling. Um, so, yeah, I think just deeper bullpen. Um, and you can't bank on the fact that all five of their starters are going to be healthy. I mean, they've been incredibly fortunate that they haven't sustained an injury to the rotation this far, but no, I don't think any team has gone wire to wire with just using five starters since, like, the 05 White Sox, and that's... That's, that's crazy. Um, and they've... I mean, it's only 85 games now, so it's there's a long way to go, but, like, you know, they can't be guaranteed that all five guys will be healthy and that one bullpen spot is accounted for kind of on that note uh last year we saw the dodgers manufacture injuries to take advantage of the i think you saw every team do that yeah take advantage of the 10 day dl i think the astros did that too yeah do you see them doing that with the rotation with uh mccullers morton i've wondered that because mccullers and morton have never pitched 200 innings and they're on pace too but i don't get the sense that they're planning to build in any of those breaks um, I don't think they want to interrupt the rhythm that those guys are in. But, um, you know, they could do some creative things going into the All-Star break, out of the All-Star break. Um, 
to kind of space it out. And they and AJ Hinch has cited recently the fact that they have a lot of off days in August. So like pitchers are going to be rarely going on regular rest. They're often going to be going with an extra day's rest. So I think stuff like that will help them even it out. But um, it is something to think about because, you know, Morton pitched, what, 140 last year. McCullers pitched 120. Like, those guys have never done the Dallas Keuchel, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole workload of 200 innings. Um, and if the goal is to have them at their best in October – is there a way to kind of preemptively address that? It's a good question. You just mentioned Keuchel. You know, I, I want to touch on him for a minute. Uh, he had two great starts, two uh, scoreless against the Royals appearances against the Royals. <laughs> I, I know there's an asterisk, uh, but his his last outing, uh, I think it was what was it Wednesday Wednesday afternoon? I think it was. He gave up five runs in the first inning. Uh, ended up being tacked on with another run uh, late in the game. He struggled so much in that first inning. There were some defensive blunders that probably, you know, ultimately cost him some runs. But at the same time, he's used this excuse that, you know, he's not getting it's, – it's just bad luck. Is it bad luck or is he just – his game not on the same level as it was the last few years? Or is it people are starting to figure him out as he faces the division more and more? I think his – command which he's so reliant on and so I mean that's his game right is pinpoint command of that late moving two seam fastball has regressed this season and I think that's why earlier in the year especially you saw him throwing fewer sinkers and more cutters and more four seam fastballs and more just kind of kitchen sinking guys I think that to me suggests that that he knows his command has, has regressed a little he bit. He bulked up during the offseason. Does that have anything to do with it? No, I think that can only help. I think that can only help for workload purposes. I think it's just just some, one of those things. I'm not saying he can't get it back, and I think we've seen it at points. You've seen flashes of it. Yeah. like, like you, I, I thought it was great because uh, that, that game on Wednesday where he gave up five runs to the first, he came back out and threw a clean second inning. Yeah, I think like you see the, the vintage Dallas Keuchel at times. He had some seven shutout starts earlier in the year. It just hasn't been as consistent. Um, and I think the sinker command was a big reason why I think that's improved recently. And then I think another big factor has been his slider. He's not he has overall has not gotten the same rate of swings and misses on his slider. And the more balls are put in play, the more chance for hits. So that's where, like, the bad luck, whatever, comes in. His slider has improved recently. It's looked a lot better, and I think that's encouraging. I think he's going to finish stronger. Like, I really – I think there's a lot of room for, for growth in the second half with him. I, I'm not – like, I know the Astros fans are ready to DFA and trade, which is ridiculous. I think he's going to finish the season um, with, like, a good ERA and set himself up – pretty well for free agency his era is what sub four right now so it's, it's i think it went back over four after this last so it's, start. it's hovering around yeah i think i think it's, it's, it's not it's not brutal it's not it's, like, it's not like mike fires it's not like below average yeah um if it is it's slightly below average it's just different from you know what we're well, familiar making, with he's uh, making 13 million dollars this right. year he should be right. better than that right. um but i think he'll finish strong i i would like i think I think he will end up finishing strong enough to where it's like he's in their playoff rotation. Like, there's no question. Like, he's going to get paid. Like, I think he's going to be fine in that respect. But, like, he definitely has not been as good as normal this season. There's, you can't chalk it all up to, to just bad luck. 
you know, so we, we, we just talked about Keuchel struggles mm-hmm. this year. Uh, it is a contract year form, as you mentioned. And I've asked this a few times, and I'm not sure that I've asked you this question, but Charlie Morton is having an all-star caliber season. Uh, he struggled at times with his command, but usually he tends to find it the next game. It's not something like it's a long-term issue. Maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, but both him and Dallas Keuchel, free agents at the end of the year. Do either one of them come back to the Astros next season? And if you're in the Astros front office, if you have to re-sign just one, who is it and why? So they're very different cases, right? Like Dallas Keuchel is 30 years old. He's going to be 31 going into next season. Charlie Morton is 34 and going to be 35 next season. Dallas Keuchel, this is his first time. This will be his first time as a free agent. It is his best opportunity to, you know, make a living, get his best, you know, get get his. Well, 13 million a year. I hope you're making a living. But you know what I mean. <laughs> right, like right, right, he's right. earned the right to get a big payday. 20 plus mil. Yeah. Um, Charlie has been on record. You can go back and look at a Q and A I did with him in April. That he does not want to pitch much longer. He he he's pretty at peace with his career. He he misses his kids. His, he wants to wind it down pretty soon. He knows. Does his family live here in Houston? During the season, yeah. Okay. I believe so. I'm not positive, but in the off season, he lives in Florida. Okay. Um, but he he's he knows it's only a matter of years, and and like. So, like, given that if the options are a long-term deal with a starting pitcher or a short-term deal with a starting pitcher, and especially when the short-term guy is coming off a better year, you definitely go that way because that's just safer, a safer bet. You know, long-term starting pitching contracts, which we're seeing fewer and fewer of, don't often work out. I think Max Scherzer is, like, the only one I can remember recently that has worked out. I mean, e- even this offseason, you, you saw what happened with Jake Arrieta, uh, a, a former— I, I think Arietta and Keuchel have had similar Yeah, I mean, they won Cy Young's the yeah, same year. They're they the won Cy Young's. age, same they, agent. They they struggled. You know, last year, Arietta really the last year and a half, Arietta struggled with the Cubs. It's a good comp. And this year, Keuchel is struggling with the Astros a bit. They they still have flashes of you'll you'll see like an, a phenomenal start. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, they're very different pitchers, and right, like, right. The key with them is projecting how these guys will age. Right. And I think and Arietta got what a three year deal? Is that he right? Had three for seventy five with the potential to make it five for one something, one twenty five maybe. It's a and decently club friendly contract. I don't know. That's a lot of money. It's, I, it's I, a lot of money, but I think it, I, I, think I think a three-year option is a lot better. It gives you a little more yeah. flexibility. If he tanks, then you're not out. We're going to start years. to see a lot more of those just because of the current free agent climate. And I think that's probably a good comp for what Dallas Keiko might get. Maybe a little less. It depends on how he finishes. A lot depends on how he finishes this season. Um, he's probably going to have the qualifying offer attached to him, which which hurts his market as it did Arietta's. What, what is that qualifying offer? So the Astros, any team that is a free agent, so let's use the Astros as an example, at the end of the year, you can extend your free agents a one-year, roughly $18 million qualifying offer. And this is what Colby Rasmus accepted a few years ago. He was the first one to ever, ever accept it. Most guys turn it down and become a free agent because that's you know where you make your money. Um, but um, if, if the, you turn it down... The team gets a compensatory gets a, pick. Gets a draft pick, so that's why you do it. So the Astros should extend one to Dallas Keuchel. They should probably extend one to Charlie Morton at this point, and he, that honestly might be perfect for him if he wants a short-term deal and he likes it here, which he has said he does. 
that might be the perfect marriage. That's um, interesting. The one year, eighteen, whatever million qualifying. What, what is Morton getting paid right now? Seven million base salary plus he and gets like bonus. Incentives. He gets six hundred and twenty-five thousand if he hits fifteen starts, which he already has. Twenty starts, twenty-five starts, 20, 30 starts every every five starts. So okay. he'll end up, you know. I think last year ended up in the nine, eight, nine million range. And okay, it'll, it'll be similar this year, probably a little bit more. So I, I, I think those kind of contracts are good. You know, having those escalators in there, especially from guys that have injury issues. Yeah, right. Uh, you, you could see that in the, uh, in the NBA, for example, like the, uh, the Rockets right now are trying to re-sign Chris Paul. There's speculation whether or not it's going to be a three-year max deal or a five-year like max deal. Yeah, a five-year deal would be such a mistake. Oh, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. But then there's speculation that well, maybe they do a five-year guarantee five-year deal but the last two years aren't guaranteed okay. or there's certain incentives like yeah. you have to play x amount of games no i think te- every team would love to do that stuff it's the players who, who don't have much incentive to do that stuff right like for morton he was just thrilled to get a two-year deal he didn't right. think anyone would want him and um so he was kind of a unique case but like most guys just you know they want their money up front they want guaranteed and i don't blame them that you know you only really get one shot to make to get your big payday and um so really to answer your question like in the each other situations i think morton is like the the more likely safer bet i i think the you know keichel um you know he he's gonna want to get a big deal as he should and and you know it's probably gonna have to come elsewhere for him yeah i'm kind of glad that you said that because that that's the opinion that i have i think that's, know, that's like well. everyone's opinion honestly right. like <clears throat> I don't think it's going to be, like, a big surprise, you know, if he, if he does go somewhere else. Like, I think it would be, like, you know, the one thing that maybe, like, changes it is, like, maybe he doesn't turn the season around. And he becomes more affordable. And, and maybe and he accepts, the, you know, maybe the qualifying offer becomes, like, a real f- consideration. But I still think even if he doesn't turn it around, like, a left-handed starter with that track record, like, he's going to get paid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we talk about the Astros rotation. It, it, I think it skews a little bit on the older side with the exception sure. of McCullers. Uh, but I, I do want to talk really quickly about the youth aspect of this team because, I mean, this core, as impressive as they are, I think for the most part, you know, their core players are relatively young. I mean, Altuve is young. Correa is young. Bregman's young. Uh, Springer, young-ish. Yeah, so Springer's 28 and Altuve's 27. Yeah, right? I mean, those are relatively young guys just, in theory, probably getting into the prime of their careers. Uh, but two guys that I've been impressed with this season are Alex Bregman. What he's done in the past, what, 15 days, his tenacity for clutch plays. He's had, what, three walk-offs this season, two of which came in the past week. Uh, McCullers as well. I think I've been impressed with him. Uh, just some of his grit. You know, he, he had a, a rough outing. I think it was in his third game, third start of the season. He gave up like seven runs in an inning or something like that. But I think for the most part, he's been very, very solid. His last uh, outing Thursday night in Tampa Bay, you know, sort of like a hometown uh, reunion, uh, if you want to call it yeah, that. with 50 people there. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had more. <laughs> there were, there all, were more McCullers, McCullers there fans. McCullers. There were, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought he looked very, very solid throwing, what, six, seven shutout innings? Yeah. And he's a guy that, if his curveball hasn't been on this year, he's been able to find a way to still be effective. Yeah, it's been a weird season for him, to be honest, because that curveball, that good version of his curveball, which is arguably the best curveball in baseball when it's normal, has eluded him for a lot of the year, and somehow he's still found a way 
because of this changeup that's been his best pitch this year. Um, that's been a huge development. And so um, I think the the reason you saw him pitch so well the other night in Tampa is because he had his curveball. It wasn't maybe as good as we've ever it, seen it. It but was it, still pretty nasty. But it was really It was still good. pretty nasty. And I think now if he gets that back consistently, like, and stays healthy, like, that's scary. Uh, that's a really good pitcher. Like, that's scary for the opponents. I mean, that fastball, if he can just control it around the zone, his other two pitches, that's, that's a good arsenal. That's a re- legit, you know, frontline starter. So there's been some questions. I, I want to get into Bregman in a minute, but there's been some questions around Bregman, or not Bregman, uh, some questions around uh, McCullers and his maturity level. Uh, you know, he, he's got a hashtag that he's been using on Twitter. Uh, he hadn't, hadn't used it recently, but then he had the little kerfuffle, if you will, with Altuve and uh, Guriel uh, probably about, a, what, a month ago, I, I think it was, uh, based on a defensive play. Uh, Altuve sort of put him in his place. But since then, I don't know, it seems like he's been more focused since then. He came out after the game and said, you know, it was emotions, that sort of thing, and, you know, how, how he understands that, you know, he needs to do things differently. But to me, it seems like he's actually been more focused, more dialed in, a little bit more mature, if you will, in the, in the last month. Am I wrong in assuming that we maybe we are seeing, like, the maturity level kind of coming in with McCullers a little bit? Cause, I mean, he was such a young guy coming into the big leagues at the age of 20, 21 years old. He's 24 now. He's still young. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you quantify that. I, I don't either. I do think, like, there's that he's a very emotional pitcher. Like, you see him let out that big scream the other night when he's – I think it was Gomez he got yeah. out. And, like, that's good. Like, channeling that emotion, if that helps you pitch, that's good. But, like, there's always that balance of, like, doing that and not, you know, showing up your teammates or just having it go overboard. And I think he's maybe he's striking that balance better after that yeah. Cleveland incident. Um, but, like, I don't know. It's hard to quantify, like, what that means or if it means anything or maturity level. Like, I think he's a mature guy. Like, I think – I think he's also a very smart guy. He's very smart. I, I you know, I, I yeah, I, I mean, I think there's like a difference between like maturity and like pitching with emotion. And that, that's totally fair. Um, that's totally fair. I just fair. think it's hard to quantify all that stuff. Impossible, really. Yeah. Uh, another guy that I think is kind of growing before our eyes, Bregman. Yeah. I, think I mean, he, I think he's going to be an all star. My gosh. I mean, what? I don't know who tweeted out it. it very well could have been you, but somebody tweeted out his... I don't tweet anymore, so probably not. Fair. <laughs> somebody that I saw recently uh, tweeted out his stats between 2016, 17, and 18. Uh, they had his uh, strikeout percentage and his walk percentage. Yeah. And his strikeout percentage dropped significantly. His walk percentage has gone up significantly. He's yeah. very disciplined at the plate. He's come through in clutch situations. He's ripping the cover off the ball in the last, like, two weeks. He's got the best eye on the team. Yeah. I mean, he, I think he really does. Um Maybe not as good as Altuve, yeah. you could argue, but I, I think this year it's been the best. Uh, his discipline is just – it it really blows my mind, especially for such a, a, a guy that was in college – playing college baseball at, at LSU in the College World Series yeah. I three asked years him, ago. I asked him about it recently because he's had more walks than strikeouts almost the entire season as he does as we tape this. And he said that's – he attributed it to just, like, getting more accustomed to the major leagues and – you know, maturing as a player at the major league level. He said, and I, lo- I fact-checked him, he was right, he 
had more walks than strikeouts pretty much at every level until the majors, including in college. All three years in college he did. In the minors he did. Maybe there was one level he didn't or it was close, but it's like a very small sample. Um, so he's always been that guy, and I think he's just now in his third season, second full season, just maturing as a player and, and um, really harnessing it in a way that's you know an all-star caliber play. And There's like a stat on fan graphs, and the Astros have their own version of it internally that Bregman uh, looks or gets told about sometimes that's like swing decisions and like it like rates like how well you swing at good pitches versus bad pitches and Bregman's like top 10 in that category at times top five top three and major league baseball yeah up there with like Joey Votto and like some of the guys who are known for that That, that's pretty good company yeah like he he's just he's really good (laughs) and uh how good can he be I think he can be one of the best third basemen in baseball, which isn't saying as much as it used to say because this third base is not as stacked as it used to be, although it's pretty stacked. Right. Manny Machado. Well, he's a shortstop now. Fair. Should, should arguably, be a should, arguably should be a third baseman. But Nolan Arenado, Matt Chapman, Chris Bryant, Josh Donaldson's kind of, you know, probably past his prime at this point. Um, but there's still a lot of good players out third baseman out there. I think he can be up there. I think he can be one of the most productive hitters consistently. Um, you know, I think he's going to be an all-star at age 23. That's pretty rare company. Um, so, yeah, he can be really good. I mean, he already is really good. Yeah, he, he's so much fun to watch. That that game that we alluded to a few minutes ago where Keiko gave up five runs in the first inning, uh, Astros never led in that game until he came up to bat in the bottom of the ninth, hit that walk-off, and it was just a elevated pitch. He put it deep into left field over the Crawford boxes and uh you know right when he connected he knew he sort of had this like swag just you know just oh yeah he crushed it yeah pimping the home run a little bit dropping the, yeah, uh, the bat his walks <laughs> I, I, I don't blame him for, I mean especially when you do something like that like in a walk-off fashion yeah he's a very confident player um that's something I you know noticed the first time I met him in 2016 before he when he was in the minors it's He's not short on confidence, that's for sure. Yeah, I think that's good to have confidence. And if you can back it up like Bregman. That's a key to life, isn't right. it? Like yeah, absolutely. 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 <laughs> Speaking of uh, you know, confidence, life, that sort of thing, I uh, want to cover the Astros. Just one last thing. And then we can go on to the fun stuff. The fun stuff, yeah. So we're having this conversation right before October. Where are the Astros, not necessarily win-loss-wise, where do they sit in the... The seating? The seating with the Red Sox, Yankees, Astros. I think all three teams are going to be there until the end of September. Yeah. Do they have any significant changes in their roster makeup, whether it's via trade or whether it's bringing up a guy like Kyle Tucker, Forrest Whitley? Where do you foresee, when we're having this conversation at the end of September, getting ready for the playoffs? I don't think they're going to have any significant additions that are drastically going to alter their win-loss record. I think any additions they make via call-up or trade is more geared toward improving their odds in the playoffs. I think they're going to be the number one or the number two seed in the AL. Um, I think the Yankees might be better than them. Um, But they might not be. So I think it'll be those two teams, the Yankees and and the Astros. I think the Yankees are likely to probably make a I think the Yankees are more likely to make a move that will impact their win and loss record. Right. Um, they have so many prospects to trade from. Um, 
So I think it's going to be Yankees, Astros, 1-2. I don't, you pick the order. I don't know if it's even going to matter. Like, you know, it's all about who you play in the first round. Um, and um, so, yeah, I think it'll be those two teams, 1-2, Indians, 3, and then the wild card will be the Red Sox and the Mariners. It's kind of set. Like, I mean, the, it's on, crazy the that only it's real ju- uncertainty it's, is the Red Sox-Yankees aspect It's June, July, it. and, and yeah. that's essentially already established. Yeah, so, you know... Red Sox, Mariners, Yankees, Mariners, whoever wins that. Um, so I guess if the Astros were the two, they would play the Indians. You know, it's, it's like, you know, kind of let's just fast forward to October. Like, yeah, yeah. I would like it. I wish there was more regular season injury. I, I, I would also like it because it's about 90 degrees outside. We are recording at like one o'clock on yeah. a Saturday. Uh, luckily, we do have some cloud cover because otherwise it would be 100 and we would be sweating balls right now. Yeah. So uh, I guess we do have some. Oh, we're not sweating. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, we've got giant fans right in front of us. True. Uh, all right. So the uh, the big event going on right now the in the world. Free agency. Oh, sorry. No, uh, the big event going on in the world right now is, of course, Justice Kennedy retiring. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, we don't want to get into politics. Not not with uh, not with Jake. But uh, we'll, we'll save that for Jeremy and his rants. But the big event going on in the, in the world right now is uh, the World Cup, obviously. Uh, currently, right now, as we are recording, Portugal and Uruguay are playing. When's the U.S. play? Uh, they play in potentially uh, 2022, yeah. uh, guaranteed in 2026 because they're hosting the World Cup. Good. Um, but, you know, speaking of, like, international competition, Team USA basketball lost to Mexico the other night. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't know that there yeah, was Jeff Van Gundy, friend of the podcast, we've had him on a few times, is coaching Team USA. And granted, Who's it's playing? it's like college guys. College guys, a few like fringe NBA so, G like, League it's players, like the college guys who didn't get drafted, yeah, or aren't one and done. And like John Stockton's kid, who okay. is on a roster but not really seeing minutes. So, so, it, it's, so who cares? But they lost to Mexico. Yeah, but whatever. All right, so I World can't get work. World Cup, World Cup, U.S. again, not in it. Just you, kidding, guys. Yeah. Whoever cares, so I'm, I'm kind of curious about that because I don't blame anyone for caring. I just don't care. Well, I do want to talk about that because. Generally, I don't watch soccer. The only time that I ever watch soccer, if it's like a U.S. national team playing against a major team. Sure. Or if it's the World Cup or the uh, the Euro Cup. Because I think it's fun to have like international competition like that. I just see the passion, the pageantry of the fans. Uh, I think sometimes the games are extremely boring, especially when you have 0-0-1-1. I don't like running around for 90 minutes. And I don't understand how it's the most popular sport in the world. That To me, that just baffles me. Uh, but there just seems like there's so much dead time. And I guess maybe you could say that about baseball, and baseball is my favorite sure. sport. So maybe I don't see the correlation. But the World Cup, I, I do actually enjoy. I just came from watching the uh, – uh, that's a Weekly Brew fan club that you just heard honk at horn right now. Is it? I think so. I think so. I think she's honking at the guy who won't move. <laughs> okay. Uh, she, she doesn't like the World Cup either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I watched uh, – Messi take on France and and France looked good. It was an exciting game. It was four to three, seven goals scored. But for the most part, we are in the knockout rounds. I don't know. I mean, I enjoy it. I love that competition. You, on the other hand, not I've so not much. watched a single minute outside of when it's on in the Astros clubhouse. Really, I'm standing there waiting to talk to a player. No, I just don't have any interest. I don't. I I think it's great that people love it and get into it and watch it in the morning um, or whenever it's on. 
I did watch it last time when the U.S. had those awesome games. I don't even remember against who, but it was I think fun. it's a little bit different, too, when the U.S. is in it because there's, like, a sense of national pride. Yeah, and you know there's more name recognition for me, right. I guess. Um, oh, okay, so I do have to ask you about this. Landon Donovan, we talked about it on the podcast a few weeks ago, but I want to hear your take. Landon Donovan, arguably one of the, the, the most recognizable names for U.S. soccer. U.S. does not make the World Cup. He has a sponsorship agreement with Wells Fargo. And now he's endorsing Mexico, the U.S.'s biggest rival in soccer and the CONCACAF region. How do you feel about that? See, I didn't even know that they were our biggest rival. He has so, an ad so going tells on. You all you need to he has know. an ad going on on national TV saying, oh, I'm cheering for Mexico. Vamos Mexico. And he's arguably the biggest name in U.S. soccer. He's taking a lot of backlash. I'm, I'm cool with that. I love you Mexico. Are? Yeah. Okay. But, but to me, I, I equate it to like Andrew Benatendi or something. Oh, okay. That's a bad example. Derek Jeter, for example. The Yankees don't make the playoffs, and he runs a national ad campaign. Hey, let's cheer for Boston. Yeah, I don't know. It's not like I don't know. I think you're asking the wrong guy. Fair, but I love Mexico. Fair. Uh, who it's else? Great. Is I love it? the who beaches. Who else am I rooting for? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Brazil's in it. Germany not in it. Uh, France, uh, Russia, Russia. Uh, I've, I'm. I'm I can't. I guess we can't root for Russia now, but like yeah. I do have Russian descent. Collusion. So. I have German descent. We come from uh, very <laughs> questionable lineages. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't even tell you the 16 teams. England. So uh, I, I just don't. I, I think it's awesome that people love it. I just don't get into it. Yeah. I, I um, yeah, just not so my the thing. World we all Cup, our things, right? Yeah, World Cup is coming here in 2026. At the U.S. To Houston? Potentially Houston. Shit, I better move before then. It's going to be a mess. Would, yeah, it, it would be. So it wouldn't be like all the games. It would be like a few probably preliminary rounds. Would you go see a game? For free? Yeah. Yeah. Would you cover it for the athletic? Yeah. That would be fun. So that would be fun Like that would be fun to cover. Um, I covered a, a friendly at, at Dodger Stadium between Juventus and the U.S. team. This is like 2013. Where is Juventus? What country? I don't remember. But um, that shows you our soccer knowledge. But it was really right fun. Like, I, like uh, what's his name? Was the coach um, <laughs> Bruce Arena? Okay, all right. Um, and like there were players who I knew who they were, um, and that was at Dodger Stadium. So it was like really cool. It's um, kind of cool, cool atmosphere. And I've covered a little soccer. It's just not my favorite sport. No, totally fair. Totally fair. I, I see it. It's the world sport. It's not our sport. Not our sport at all. But all right. So let's get into some different things real quick. Uh, but well, let me say this before I go. Yes. The Athletic has great soccer coverage, and you should subscribe to read it. So one of the guys that actually works for The Athletic that covers soccer, he uh, he went to Baylor with me. Oh, you should have him on the podcast. Will Parchman. You should put him on the podcast. He, uh, he was a sports writer at the uh, the Baylor Lariat when I was there. Wow. And, uh, you know, I followed him on Twitter here and there. And uh, when I saw that he got hired by The Athletic, I was like, I know a guy. And then you subscribe. You you got a second subscription immediately. No, I subscribed before. Everyone should subscribe. I subscribed to The Athletic before you subscribed. <laughs> I subscribed in September. Of last year? Yeah, when Ken Rosenthal announced he was going there. Around the same time they launched the Philadelphia okay. branch, because I'm from Philadelphia. So I subscribed when Stuart Mandel okay. went there for college football. So, so yeah, you were that, before me. That was about August, September, some, somewhere in that time frame. It, it's awesome. And I think I mentioned this to you last time we podcasted, but we had uh, Stuart Mandel on. He was going to do our college football preview. I had recorded the interview. We recorded the interview on like a Tuesday or Wednesday. 
late August, and then at the end of the week, Harvey happens, and so uh, you did tell me, yeah. This. So he was he was our feature, you know, previewing college football right before the season. It made sense in our mind, like new venture, the athletic people don't know everyone. Lo- everyone knows Mandel. Uh, and then Harvey happened. So we had a kind of change direction. It didn't get as many listens as I would have liked as a result. Uh, probably rightly so because people were underwater, yeah, including had, my parents. Um, yeah. So, yeah, totally understand. We'll, we'll try to get them back uh, you this year. You should get everyone from The Athletic on there. It's so many good people. And I'm not just saying that because I work there. Like, I wake up as a fan reader of sports, and I'm amazed at what, what you can read every morning. It, it's kind of funny. I think we've had, if you count everyone who's currently on staff at The Athletic, I think we've had probably six or seven guests on the show. And I think four or five of them were not at The Athletic when we interviewed them. Hmm. And so there was a joke. I think I was talking with Ben DeBose about this. Uh, But the joke is, if you come on the Weekly Brew podcast and you're a sports writer not affiliated with The Athletic, you will eventually work for The Athletic. Okay. So I don't know. That was the case in my my, uh, example. Yeah, we are are good grooming grounds, right? (laughs) Right? Exactly. So... (laughs) But, all right, uh, so I guess the biggest sports news outside of World Cup, outside of baseball right now, is uh, NBA free agency, which is sort of like yeah. a, a second season. It's the best. Yeah. I love NBA free agency. And I'm sorry about your Sixers not winning a, uh, you know, not representing the Eastern Conference. It's okay. Not winning a game against LeBron. Well, they win one. Where they they didn't play LeBron. They played the Celtics. They went to Oh, that's five. right. They that's lost right. in five. But they, it felt like a closer series than five games. That's right. Well, they had a few games they could have won. I think they would have beat the Cavs. Um, yeah. No, their, but anyways, their, youth uh, show, their youth show does. As, as I recall, last time we, uh, we made a bet, and you lost the bet. What was the bet? The bet was that the Rockets would go further in the playoffs than the Sixers. Oh, that's right. And if the Rockets went further, then you had to buy drinks. If the Sixers went further... I had to buy drinks, and if they tied, Hunter had, Hunter to, buy had to buy drinks. Which, by the way, I, I witnessed Hunter drinking a beer for the first time. I don't know that I've ever seen him like drink alcohol. About 10 days ago, and I was, like, astonished because I've never seen it. He I haven't even seen like him a, drink a margarita. He gets, like, a Coke, usually. Yeah. But uh, he was drinking. It's real. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, NBA free agency is awesome. By the time this airs, 20 guys might have signed. Um yeah, for full for full transparency, we are recording this Saturday afternoon. Someone could have signed in the last twenty minutes that we missed. I honestly. haven't gotten a few text messages, so I don't know. Uh, June thirtieth is when we were recording this. So on Friday, uh, LeBron officially opted out of his contract with or was, his option. He didn't opt in, whatever it was. He, yeah, he yeah. didn't opt into his one-on-one deal with the uh, Cavs. So he is a so that uh, rules out the agent. Rockets. Rules out the Rockets. Uh, Sorry. All sources indicate that he's likely heading to LA. Uh, potential you have sources? No. Woj. Woj is my source. I follow him on Twitter. Uh, I I, I had to unfollow him for the draft. I do have some sources. I was like, uh, I don't want to know who's getting picked. Yeah. I love the draft too much. Yeah. Um, Yeah, LA would be really fun. And selfishly, as a, like, you want him in Philly? Sixers fan. Well, he's not going to Philly, right? Like, but, like, I'm. Why would he go to the West? But, like, the the path to the NBA Finals. So he wants to build his legacy, right? He wants to be, you know, get four, five, six, seven titles. The path in the West is so much more difficult because you've got the Warriors who know, are just reloading. How many more years do the Warriors have? Two? Two. That's but, not that many years. But then you have the Rockets who should be good again this year. I think the Rockets are pretty short-term, too. I, I agree. But LeBron, is he going to wait two years to no, get to the if semifinals? You, if you have LeBron James and a healthy Kawhi Leonard on the same team, you're 
better yeah, than no, everyone that, that's, else. That's <laughs> like, insanely. That's re- where I'm like, I think there's a better chance the Sixers. But why would the Spurs get Kawhi tra- than LeBron? I was so gonna say, why, why would like, the Spurs trade him to the West? Because they have Brandon Ingram on the Lakers, and I think he's better than Dario Saric or whatever Fultz or whatever you're gonna get from the Sixers. Um, so like selfishly, I want Kawhi to go to the Sixers because it'd be really fun. But like, yeah, LeBron and Kawhi on the Lakers would be really cool, I think. And I'm obviously have no. Like, I don't care about the Rockets. Uh, so, like, Rockets fans are going to disagree with that statement. But, like, I don't know. I think it'd be good to see those two guys The league's better when the Lakers are good, too. It is. And I think it would also be good to have potentially two teams to challenge the Warriors. Granted, you would have three best teams in the league, in my opinion, in the West. Boston, maybe that. Yeah, then you have Boston in second tier. In the East. But honestly, though, if you think about it, Maybe the path is easy. So if LeBron goes to the West, you're going to have those teams beating each other up during the postseason. And maybe it's easier for a team like Boston or Philly to eke out a title as a result of being a little rested. Maybe. A little healthier. Maybe. I don't know. I think L.A. is just a great place to live, too. Like, there's there's a life component of this. Like, Wait, hold, hold deciding on. where hold he on. wants to live for the next however you're, many You're years. telling me you don't like concrete everywhere. You don't like flat surfaces. You don't like being landlocked. Uh, you're telling me you don't like highways wrapping around from, you know, 610 to Beltway 8 to I the Grand Parkway. But he's already ruled out Houston, so it's, yeah. All right, so Jake, where are you going for the athletic? Are, are you going to stay in Houston or are you going to cover somewhere in L.A.? I'm going to take my talents to Houston and cover the Astros. Fair. As I have been doing. <laughs> and I'm going to and I'm going to. Are hope- you lobbying a move to uh, L.A.? No, I I really enjoy visiting LA. It's it's great. It really is. Um, the Astros go there three times a year, plus a fourth time this year. The Dodgers, right? They play the Dodgers, and then the playoffs last year. It was it's a wonderful place to be. I lived there for a year or in Orange County, so a little south of LA, and it's just it's, fancy. It's a place I really enjoy going, but I really enjoy life in Houston right now, um, even despite this weather. Yeah, it's actually not terrible today. Well, we're sitting under four fans. Yeah. But yeah. No, you really picked a great spot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, LA. I don't know. I just I, I like it because you know during the summer for the most part it's tolerable, uh, especially if you're toward the beach. It's like I don't know. It's it's nice to have beautiful beaches right next to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, so many people just out there enjoying it. Uh, great food, great restaurants, great drinks. I don't feel like you can get that with Galveston, even though it's like 40 miles away. I going to Galveston. Time in Galveston. I don't know. So my girlfriend last weekend, and she doesn't listen to the podcast anymore, which is totally fine. <laughs> but she wanted to go to Galveston last Saturday. I just didn't have any desire. I mean, you do pass a Bucky's on the way, and that's, that, that's like enough to get me to go anywhere. But it's just, I don't know. Galveston to me, like if you told me to go, all right, let's go to Manhattan Beach. Let's go to God, Hermosa Beach. I really Beach. want Bucky's now. Let's go to Huntington Beach. Whatever. Like I will. 100% jump on that opportunity, but Galveston, it's like, eh, I don't know. It's not that appealing to me. Yeah. I haven't spent much time there outside of one drive back and forth, so I can't really speak to it. What were you in Galveston for? Um, very exciting podcast content. I, My grandmother was visiting, and I dropped her at a cruise. Very nice. And picked her up from the cruise. Very exciting content right now. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, again, Jake Kaplan at Jake M. Kaplan on Twitter. We probably should have dropped the Twitter handle earlier. It's okay. Um, 
You are at The Athletic. Yes. Uh, you've written a lot of content this week. You had a story about Teoscar Hernandez and whether the Astros would regret that move. Yes, which I think they will, for the record. Yeah. I think he's really good. And it's crazy, too, because it made sense for the Astros to trade him because of the backlog in the outfield. Yeah, I think it made sense to trade him. I think the, the question is they didn't get enough. They got 16 and two-thirds innings of Francisco Liriano. Liriano. Two innings in the playoffs. Yeah. If you're going to trade five years of Teoscar Hernandez, you need to get more. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, and then you also wrote a story about the bullpen and yes. help potentially like how it would work out flexibility with uh, trades. And I did a mailbag for the first time. You did, and I actually, I actually like that. You you had one comment in there, like, "All right, so when are we going to get the uh, you know the Kyle Tucker questions?" And yeah. Of course, uh, so you know, you, I think you had what three or four stories this week. Four, yeah. And, and a CNL Perez thing on yeah, Friday. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, uh, just got called up. He just got called up. He's interesting. I don't know if he'll get into more than one game, if that, before Joe Smith comes back. But um, you know, definitely an intriguing young arm who I skip don't skip AAA. Skip AAA. I'll probably end up there at some point this year. But I don't know how he throws as hard as he does because he's so small. But he does it, so it's interesting. Yeah. So what do you have coming up on the athletic this week? I know you're. I know you're working on some stories. I don't know if you can tease them. Yeah, I don't love to tip my hand, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking ahead on um, All-Star a little bit, just, like, working on some features about the guys who, who I think who, will be All-Stars. Who all are stars. the Astros All-Stars? And you, I think you addressed this in the mailbag. I did. I, I think Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole are locks. I think Charlie Morton has a good chance, especially considering Hinch is the manager, Hinch is the manager and especially considering there's always guys pitchers selected who then can't pitch because they just pitched on Sunday or Saturday or whatever and that could be one of Cole or Verlander too um I haven't looked that far ahead and then I think Bregman will get in as a reserve third baseman and Jose Altuve will obviously start at second base is there another guy that could make it I don't think because, so because I mean generally when you see the head coach or I mean, the, the manager Springer and Correa had had chances up until their recent slumps, injuries yeah. slash slumps um, Davinsky doesn't have enough innings. I don't think so, really. Is Gaddis any chance? I don't think. So. I don't think you carry two DHs. Yeah, JD Martinez is the obvious. Former Astro, by the way. He's so good, man. I, I like watching him hit is really enjoyable. I think like his swing is beautiful. Um, no, but it'll be fun. Um, I'm actually not going this year for the first time in four years. Um. But um, I do enjoy All-Star. It's, it's a fun, especially the Futures game I always enjoy. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, home run derbies, I mean, it was awesome last year because of Judge. But this year, it doesn't sound like the field is going to be very strong, uh, relatively. There's a guy that I want to see in it uh, that I went to college with, uh, that I worked with and I was working with uh, Baylor Baseball, Max Muncie. Oh, He's yeah. playing for the Dodgers there right now. There was a story on The Athletic about him this week. I read that. I shared it on the uh, Baylor I message saw boards. It. I saw um, it. So you tweeted it. Um, yeah. yeah. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's come out of nowhere, huh? I am I love his story. Yeah. It, um, it's it's kind of fun to watch. You know, he, he's had time in the big leagues before with the A's. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy that's wrecking it right now. He made the most of his opportunity with the Dodgers. And I think, you know, whether or not he stays with the Dodgers, I don't know what his contract situation is like, but he... I'm uh, sure he's pre-arbitration. He's probably yeah, there for yeah, a long time. And I think it's kind of cool to see. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting. There are a few guys that I worked with when I was at Baylor. So I used to be a sports information director. Mm -hmm. I used to do PR for baseball. Uh, 
guys in that draft class were Logan Verrett, who spent time with the uh, the Mets. I think he's now pitching in Korea this season. Uh, Sean Tolleson, who uh, Blue Jays, Rangers. So he was drafted in like the thirty fourth round. Uh, so this is kind of a funny story on him. I don't know that many people know this, but he was actually breaking news here. Yeah. Well, so he had Tommy John out of high school. Okay. And he was he was in the same draft class as Clayton Kershaw, the same draft class as uh, Kyle Drabeck. And Phillies draft pick Kyle Drabeck. Yeah, I went to high school with him. Oh, okay. I used to go to Astros games with no, him and his brother. Draft pick? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, I think he was. was like 16, and then 17. They traded him for Halliday? Halliday, yeah. Uh, I went. <laughs> I used to go to baseball games with uh, his family because his dad pitched with the Astros. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Doug Drabeck. Uh, but Tolleson was a guy who, prior to their senior year, before he had this, like, Tommy John surgery, he was rated as, like, the higher prospect out of all three. Wow. And when he went to Baylor, he redshirted his freshman year because he was still rehabilitating from TJ. And his sophomore year, his, like, redshirt freshman year, it was okay. Uh, anyways, his redshirt junior year... I think he just graduated, too. Uh, he was planning on, you know, once the baseball season was over, to go to dental school. And I think he had, like, already enrolled in it. And he got a he got drafted, like, a 34th round by the Dodgers or something like that. I was like, yeah, might Why as well not? just yeah. take a flyer, see what happens. You know, I can always enroll, like, next spring. No, no big deal. Escalated through the system. I think within about a year and a half, he was up in the big leagues based wow. on like injuries and he was a guy so he pitched with uh i think team usa during the uh the collegiate national team mm-hmm. but he was a guy that as a starter didn't necessarily have his stuff he would he'd be able to go five six solid innings but when he was with team usa they put him in the closer role and he was just lights out so the dodgers sort of put him in that same role played for the dodgers i want to say about a season or two and then got uh traded or picked up by the uh, the rangers and then he got like a 30 million dollar like contract from the rangers oh, wow. or something like that he, he got a nice contract from the rangers he made a, he made a nice life for his yeah family. i think i think right now he is with the rays organization i think he's got some injury issues but he, he had a, he had like a four or five year career which and he made the most of it like getting that's yeah, awesome i love getting 30, some money 30 plus round draft picks yeah it's so great when they make it big especially as fun. fast as he made it yeah and it so it was kind of funny so uh, my former roommate, who I'm not sure that you met, uh, Andrew Cooley, uh, he was a uh, he played baseball at Baylor. He was a uh, a backup. I think he had like two career bats his senior year. Batted 500. That's always the joke. Hey, this guy batted 500 his senior year. Uh, but he was in the same like recruiting class as Tolleson. And so when the Rangers were playing the Astros, uh, we ended up getting seats from Sean, and we were sitting with his wife. And then after the game, it was kind of funny. You know, we go down to the, uh, you know, the family waiting room outside the visitor's dugout. And he comes out and he's like wearing shorts, polo, like glasses. He's got his like lunch or dinner and everything like that. And we leave like right on, uh, uh, what is it, Texas Avenue on uh, outside of Minute Maid Park. And there are like fans out there, you know, Astros fan, Rangers fans. We leave the stadium. Nobody even recognizes him. He just looks like a normal yeah, dude in his twenties. He's like the Brad Peacock of. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was awesome. It's like nowhere else would. I mean, if Altuve came out that door, people would be going nuts. Yeah, he comes out of the door with like me, my roommate. That's what you want, right? Yeah. If you're a pro athlete, it was like, awesome. I I mentioned Brad Peacock because I had like a one, there was one night leaving the spring training facility where I was. I happened to be walking out at the same time as him, uh, out of the complex, and those fans who wait outside the spring training complex, right. especially now. 
and no one said a word to him. Like they just, no one like. I'm sure some fans know what he looks like, but he just looks like a normal guy. Right. And uh, that's I think if you're a professional athlete, that's, that's kind of what, what you, you want. want. Yeah. There is a. Uh, it's gonna be tough to be one of those guys like Altuve who gets recognized everywhere he goes. Yeah. So there, there's. When I was a little kid, I used to basically live at the Astrodome. I mean, I grew up n- north of Houston, about 45 minutes. Uh, but my parents used to always take me to Astros games, and it was great because we could uh, get dollar general admission tickets for the outfield. And you, the outfield stretched the entire outfield, and we would always get there early, sit the first row. My mom and sister would grab the seats. My dad and I would go try to get autographs. And after the game, we would always try to go get autographs from the uh, the visiting bus. And back then at the Astrodome, like, the bus loaded up outside, so they had, like, you know, uh, barricades where you could go sure. and stand. I remember uh, doing that at Veterans Stadium yeah, in Philly. Yeah. Like, like now that's not the case because they, you know, they park on the ground. Yeah. Um, but I remember there were two incidents that I will always remember. One so was did you get blown off by Barry Bonds at some point. Uh, I didn't try for Barry Bonds. <laughs> There's a guy that I hate the most in the world right now, and that's Kevin Brown. Uh, I think Astros Dodgers. I think he was with the Dodgers at this point. And was this post '98 yeah. Kevin Brown domination? I'm, I think no. My, I don't know when it was. Uh, yeah, I, I think it probably was. I think it probably was. I think it was the last year of the Dome. So I would have been like 12, 13 or okay. something like that. Uh, so we were outside of the uh, the bus, and I see him come out. There's literally no one else out, right? He was the one guy that I wanted to get. I was a huge fan of his then. And had his card, and he's, like, talking to his mom or something like that. It's, like, 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. So credit to my parents for letting me stay out that late to try to get autographs Shout during out school, to school night. Parents. He, uh, I stay away like five, six, seven feet. He knows that I'm there. He puts his hand on my shoulder afterward and is like, son, if I knew, uh, if, if I sign your autograph, your card, then I'd have to sign everyone else's. There's no one around. And I have a really quick, I have a reservation tonight for dinner with my family. And I'm like, I didn't, I was, I was understanding at the time. My dad was like, okay, that guy's an asshole. (laughs) He was like the time that it took him to say that it'd be like genuine to you. Like he could have just signed the card. And so ever since then, I've had a hatred for Kevin Brown. And who was the other one? The other one, not a hatred. Uh, Tony Gwynn. Uh, Tony Gwynn. Uh, he was one of the first ones to come out. So, um, I think King Caminetti, who used to play for the Astros was also on that team. Sure. He was signing for everyone. Uh, Tony Gwynn was really the guy that I wanted to get his autograph. And, he comes out of the locker room, gets on the bus, and he, or he's, like, walking. He's got, like, two grocery bags, like, lunch or food or something like that. It's a getaway day. I think it's, like, a Sunday. Everyone's yelling, like, Mr. Gwen, Mr. Gwen. I'm sitting right by the door. He blows everybody off, gets on the bus, and I'm, like, d- disappointed. I'm, like, all right. I understand. He's, like, a big star. And uh, about 45 seconds later, he gets off the bus. He's, like, sorry, in his, like, high-pitched voice. He's like, sorry, I had to put my uh, my launch up. Who wants an autograph? And he literally was the last person signing. I believe it. I mean, that, from what I've heard about Tony Gwynn, yeah, that that always stuck with me. And he died what four years ago from yeah. uh, from from cancer. And uh, I don't know, just such a nice guy. I mean, he was a guy that could have blown off every single fan there, and it would have been understandable because of his superstar status. But the greatest thing is just he didn't say a word. Just walked in, put his things down, and was like, all right, now I'm gonna go meet everyone who wanted to come and see me it's awesome i think that's so cool i don't i, I don't like seek autographs now or anything like that i'm an Good, adult because you're a grown man I'm, I'm an adult i don't bring gloves to baseball games please don't uh but i don't know how many players are left like that i don't either i don't really i'm, I'm out of that scene too obviously 
Um, but hopefully more guys are. You see a lot of the, the modern players on the either baseline before a game signing autographs, but you never, you know, I don't know what guys are like uh, when the bus situations like you described. Right. You would hope that they make time, and I would think they would, but, you know. These guys are also humans, and they have lives yeah, yeah. to live at the I same get time. That. And it's kind of funny because as a little kid, like, you know, you kind of idolize these guys. They're right? just guys. Yeah, and that's what they are. Like, They're ooh. just people. And I, th- I think you sort of realize that when you get a little bit older. Wh- whether sure. it's you color, you cover the team or you know guys who actually play, you realize they're just like me and you. Yep. Like They just happen to be a little bit more talented than us. And make a lot more money. Yeah. So, all right. So, all-star coverage on The Athletic. What else you got coming up? Yeah, I'm just looking ahead to... You know, I'm working on more a few more longer-term projects at this moment um, and geared toward, you know, getting a few stories in before the All-Star break about some other All-Stars. And then just, you know, we'll see what happens this weekend in the Rays series and in the Arlington series this week. And, you know, um, there's going to be some stuff that I write that I don't know what it is at this moment, but you'll have to uh, go check it out to see. Like, I didn't know... A lot of the stuff that I wrote last week was going to happen until it right. happens. So you kind of play it by ear and uh, write what uh, you think is interesting for the people. So if uh, our listeners do not subscribe to The Athletic, I, I really encourage it. Uh, great content. How do they uh, subscribe? How do they keep in touch with you? Just go to theathletic.com, and uh, it's pretty straightforward from there. And uh, if you're not sold on you know, on getting a subscription right out of the shoot, there is a free trial option that a lot of people do. Um and I would encourage you to do that if that if you fall in that boat. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's there, and it's Jake M. Kaplan on Twitter. And if you th- if there's something you want to read about that you don't think uh, has been covered, feel free to reach out. My email is also listed on my Twitter account. I'm always happy to take feedback and, and hear potential story ideas. Well, Jake, always appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This was thanks fun. for thanks for joining me again. And uh, again, follow Jake M. Kaplan on Twitter, and uh, subscribe to the Athletic. Give him your support. Uh, leave comments on the stories as well. Yeah, the comment sections are awesome, aren't they? Yeah, they're so I like civil. It. <laughs> I like it. Uh, but uh, don't post his full stories on Reddit. That's uh, that's a pro tip. But <laughs> if you do, Austin will yell at you on Reddit. <laughs> but Jake, appreciate it, man. Have a good one. You too. Closing time. Great stuff from Jake Kaplan. Again, you could follow his work at Jake M. Kaplan on Twitter. Also, go subscribe to his work over at The Athletic. Uh, great content there, not only from him, but there are a plethora of journalists that cover uh, sports. I think it's probably one of the best websites out there. Uh, great conversation with him on the Astros World Cup. Also, a little LeBron in L.A. and, you know, why it made sense. Uh, you know, even though we recorded before it officially happened, uh, we kind of speculated that, that was going to be the case, that he would end up in Los Angeles. But, uh, Jeremy, it is uh, July uh, first, second, I think we just hit midnight here. I'm not actually sure, but uh, it's 4th of July week. Uh, you know, that's barbecue, that's fireworks. How are you celebrating America's birthday? Yeah, I'm, I'm celebrating the very awkward July 4th coming in the middle of the Wednesday. week. A Wednesday. Why does it have to be on hump day? Like Thursday, Friday, perfect, right? Easy three, four day weekend right there. You take your Friday off next yeah. year. Awesome, Wednesday right? is the worst. Yeah, it is the worst. It's also like Christmas and New Year's when they fall in the middle of the week. Oh. Gosh. Like okay, Christmas, you know, at least most people get like Christmas Eve off. Right. Uh, New Year's Eve, not many people get off, and it what was it, it last, falls on a Wednesday. Was it terrible. last year that Christmas Eve was on a Saturday? Yeah, Christmas on a Sunday, and that terrible. Yeah. It was awful. Same Anyways, uh, <laughs> so I am celebrating with uh, my girlfriend, and her family. Uh, no, hold on. 
I'm gonna correct you. Fiance. Fiance. My bad. Um, I'm, I'm still. I'm, I'm still. I'm still trying it on. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I don't have anything to wear on me that reminds me that I'm engaged. Except that Astros ring that you're still. Yeah, that's right. Except the right Astros now. ring. <laughs> so I'm, I'm spending uh, the week with my fiance and her family. They're all coming in, and my brother is bringing his girlfriend. Oh. I haven't met yet. They've been dating for a couple months we need now. A full recap. I know. Her, her her name is also Kara. Okay. Kara Elizabeth, the same first and middle name. Um, it's a little weird. That is creepy. So we're going to call her Kara too, as not to confuse everybody. Well, it's funny because we called, I remember when, uh, so so Jeremy and I were in the same fraternity in college. Uh, Jeremy's brother uh, pledged our fraternity the year after I got in. Uh, so that would have been spring 07. Something like that. Yeah, spring 07, I think is what it would have been. And uh, I remember when he was pledging, I used to call him Pax 2.0. And so now it's funny that there's a Kara 2.0. Right, right. No, no, this, this is not like necessarily... I'm not saying the upgrade is better. Right, I was not saying this is not necessarily an upgrade. Um, but it's, it, it's a second version. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to meeting her. I'm going to make sure that she, you know, passed. She checks all the boxes. Where did she go to college? <sighs> she went to Texas A&M. Okay. That's um, mm-hmm. And we're going to really need to pray about that. Um, see if, you know... <laughs> See if she's recovered so, fully. So when, from it, when her is your brother going to start wearing maroon? We'll, we'll know it's real. You know, then. it's funny. He actually he he. I don't know if you know any of our listeners have had family members that do this, but he went to A and M briefly after college. That. He took he audited some courses there for a, a graduate program and 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 posted gigum on his Facebook page, Disgusting. which was which is like you know tantamount to professing. It was it was, it was awful. I, I was about to say something I would regret. Um, yeah, <laughs> caught myself. I'm not going to do that. But he he posted something uh, very pro Aggie, um, and I, I was very hurt by that. So um, he, I think he's always kind of had it in him a little bit. So maybe this is right for him. It's destiny. Yeah, I don't know. So who gets married first, you or him? It's funny. Before Karen and I got engaged, she was making jokes that he was, but um, but no, I'm, we're, we're definitely getting married before them. All right. We'll unless see. unless <laughs> unless they shotgun it at the courthouse, who knows? It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. It's cheaper. It is cheaper. You know, we thought about uh, traveling around the world with our wedding money, but we're just going to be boring and have an awesome wedding here. Well, sounds like fun. Cannot wait for that. We will definitely send out the registry on our social That's media right. pages. That's right. I love for our weekly brew listeners <laughs> to buy me wedding gifts, please. Yeah, we will definitely do that. But if you want to follow our work, Weekly Brewcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Also subscribe to weeklybrewcast.com. And uh, Jeremy, uh, happy 4th of July. Uh, this will be actually the second time that I've been abroad on the 4th of July. The other was in 2005 when I was in Australia. I will try to find fireworks in Japan. Uh, if you hear of an American shooting off fireworks in uh, Shibuya Crossing, cool man, it'll probably I, be I, me. I, if you if you got arrested here, I'd probably bail you out, depending on what you did. But I can't bail you out over there, so right. yeah, well, just uh, figure it out. Yeah, figure it, <laughs> or just don't don't do anything illegal. You could always do that. Yeah, that works too. But <laughs> it's been a fun episode uh, talking everything from uh, you know a little politics, a little Supreme Court, a little LeBron, a little Astros baseball. A special thanks to Jake Kaplan from the Athletic for stopping by and joining us, and uh, Jeremy. Happy 4th of July. Really enjoyed the conversation, and uh, I'll see you when I get back stateside. You're going to miss me in my American flag onesie. I had it, had it picked out just, just for you. Happy 4th of July, folks. Happy we'll 4th talk of to July. you next time. You've been listening to The Weekly Brew. 